It's recorded to the cloud. Hello. Hi, listeners. Welcome to... Hi, listeners. Welcome to the Africa Investors Stories podcast with your host, Simon Rushton. Today we have Jamal Stockley from Power 40 Podcast. He's here to tell us about the mindset of that you have to have to make the make major decisions to invest or move to Africa. Hi, Jamal. Welcome to have you this late, early hours of the morning. <laughs> yeah, we are in two very unique time zones. How's it going, Simon? Uh, it's okay, thank you. It's okay. Okay. To start off, obviously, just to explain to the listeners, we this podcast is about investing in Africa, but you do have to have the right kind of mindset to be able to take the challenge, and that's why I brought Jamal on the show. He's American, and due to that, there's a lot of Americans who are migrating or emigrating to or, or returning home to Ghana. And um, so I just thought it would be interesting to hear from the other side of the pond their take on things. So, Jamal, what would you say, just to start off, what's a typical day for you in America present? A uh, typical day is me waking up and going through a nice morning ritual of meditation and breathing. And, you know, unlike some of my uh, uh, peers in this country, I don't jump right on my phone and start checking emails or, or social media or what have you. All that stays to the wayside for a good solid hour. I try, I try to make my first two hours of the day mine. I try to own those first two hours before I accept any other influences in my life. And then beyond that, once those two hours pass, then I'll, I'll open up to the world and, and take on whatever showed up by the time I turn on my phone or turn on my computer. And uh, because I am an entrepreneur, was, I, I'm going straight into business at that point, seeing if there's anything on the table I need to deal with, any fires to put out, you know, what, what are the tasks of the day that need immediate attention before I even get to my own task list. Uh, and that's normally set up at least 24 hours prior to me getting into the day. And some days I, I feel uh, vibrant and, and super energetic and I decide to wing it. I decide not even look at a task list. I'll just go into it because I own my own way pretty much. So uh, that's not the typical mindset. I know we're going to dig into it, but uh, my, my average day starts off like that and it can go uh, any direction. I like that. Own your own day. And I like the idea of not answering my phone for the first two hours. I think I actually implement that in my life. I may not do it for two hours, but um, I generally, yeah, at least an hour is something. Okay. Yeah, it's it's life-changing, brother. It's life-changing. You say you're an entrepreneur. Um, tell us a bit about your, your experience from the nine to five and that decision you made to start investing in yourself um, and do what you do. Well, my, my last nine to five, I worked for a, a um, Fortune 
maybe Fortune 100 at this point, but I'll say Fortune 500 um, computer company. And that actually they have the whole ecosystem for computer technology. Didn't know much about the business. Uh, my passion has always been people. I've always been in support of people and there were people that led me to this business. And because of the people that were involved that had uh, a personal investment in me, I uh, decided to, to jump into an arena I didn't have much passion for. While I was there, for the short time I was there, and it was literally maybe six to eight months, the owner of this company decided uh, he wanted to be the first company, have the first company of its size to go back private. So, you know, earlier on he, and, and there's a reason why I'm not saying who it is, but earlier on he had, uh, you know, worked so hard as most companies do to go public, to, to get shareholders in and, you know, to, to become a fortune whatever company. And so at this point, he had his reasons. It wasn't something to disclose to us. He said, I'm going to go back private. And in fact, I will pay some of you all to get out of my house pretty much. And that was the catalyst to me going, man, well, if he can do something like that, why can't I? Now, of course, this is after years of me battling myself saying I need to be doing something else. I'm not purposed to be sitting in this, you know, CEO's chair. I'm not purposed to be sitting here making this company money. You know, there's always that passion that, that eats at you when you're not following uh, after your goals, your dreams. And I, I was pretty much a statistic at that point, and I could not stand being a statistic. So once this gentleman decided to do that, and I saw he was offering severances to people who weren't even seasoned, they weren't tenured, they had not really earned the severance. I said, man, this is unbelievable. This is unbelievable. So if this guy can do it, I can freaking do it. You know, so after that, you know, I really didn't have a specific goal of what I wanted to do. I just knew I wanted to help people. And I, I spent well over a decade in entertainment. So that was like the, the low hanging fruit for my passion uh, was to get back into music. I was, I was an artist at one point and then I transitioned into the business side to help starving artists find their way. And when I got into to that field, I decided I didn't want to do management because I didn't want to babysit. And I'm, the world knows at this point how uh, the celebrity mindset is and how divas and prima donnas and all them act. Well, that is very much the same at all levels. Even if they don't have money, they believe that's the way they have to act. Anyway, it's not the point of the story. <laughs> I decided to go into entertainment consulting. Didn't want to manage, but I'll consult. I'll help you on your way. That was not acceptable. I started getting into these artists' lives, producers' lives, and things like that, and they needed management because I have such a passion for people. I create these intimate relationships, and I get on the ground floor with them and their pain and whatever's going on. I just have to help, help them resolve their issues. Very, uh, They would label it codependent. And so I got drug into to management at that point. And when I say drug, of course, it was my decision, my choice. But there was such a, an influence from a lot of these young guys to cross over because they needed my help so much. And I, I felt so wanted that I, I jumped over in it. Well, again, that was not what I was purposed for. The underlying theme to that whole thing was I was purposed to help people. 
I was pur purpose to help people personally. And if helping them personally helps them develop professionally, then that's how it works. But you don't try to help them professionally first. It took me, we're going into year six now, it took me about five years to figure out that's what the problem was. Um, you know, it wasn't so much about losing money because uh, traditionally and statistically, you're expected to lose money when you're an entrepreneur. You're expected not to earn within your first two years at least, let alone when I started that in business with entertainment, the, the, uh, the side part that should have been the main part was public speaking and helping nonprofits and consulting that way. And I started to transition from the entertainment world into full philanthropy. But again, my passion was very much so for people. And when you're a big hearted people per person, unfortunately, you may also have uh, what's called here as the, the uh, poverty stricken mentality, which is you will give, 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 give and not put a price tag on anything. You'll not look for anything in return, which is hugely admirable. And in most cases, that's the way you should be. But when you're running a business, you have to look for the bills to be paid. And that was not something I was great at. So again, as an entrepreneur, I was uh, uh, bleeding out money and spending way more money than I made. So, um, and forgive me, I meant to silence my phone. I need everybody to know this is a real moment. I'm a professional and I slipped. I'm sorry, Simon, I didn't mean to mess up the podcast, but don't edit it. Let people see how real this is. This is Africa real. In fact, I silenced my phone. So for anybody that has an Android, <laughs> leave a comment under Simon's podcast to see me the information on how to silence an alarm because my phone is on silence, brother. I okay. Lord, help me. <laughs> so when you talk about you deal with people on a personal scale now, not just a business scale, is that like a spiritual thing or is that just your everyday lifestyle you know i i can i can call it a combination um my family roots are very christian uh, my mother's one of 12 my father's one of seven split religions clear across the board um but because of my my mother's faith and one of my best friends is my sister who's eight years by elder you know that's where my my foundation for helping people came from I'll say that. But at this point, I'm not a religious person and I'm not super spiritual in, in the, um, and maybe it's just the Americanized sense that you have to attach yourself to this, uh, you know, um, holy passion, this, this um, godly pursuit of everything. Um, I'm, I'm not at, at that level, but I will say uh, now it's a part of my DNA to go out and, and support people. So it's not this uber spiritual thing, nor is it um, simply just a, a way of life for me, or, you know, it's, it's the thing that I'm best at. So this is the way I'll, I'll make my way in. It's not that either. It's, it's very much a part of my DNA, something I'm very passionate about. Um, and, you know, it's, it's a, 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 a hub with, with many spokes. You know, if you, um, somebody used this example with me before my, my passion allows me to do a lot of things because if my passion is people and people are into a lot of things, then I can get into a lot of things. 
And that is the, uh, what created the shiny object syndrome for me that, uh, that um, ended up to my own detriment at times. Did I answer your question? I think I did. Yeah, what is um, just, well, for me and the listeners, what is um, like a typical, typical client for you? What, are, what, are they, what do they do while they need your services? Well, what they were, well, you know what, what they are. Let me correct myself. A typical client for me is somebody who has hit this point of resistance or stagnation. Um, they are experiencing insanity and hopefully they, they realize it. They've, they've gotten into this redundant cycle of life where they're doing the same thing over and over, whether they're expecting different results or not. It's not always a case of insanity. Some people live redundant lives, they, but they know there's not gonna be different results, but they feel stuck because fear is amplified in their life or whatever the reason may be, or there's, there's trauma that lies beneath that they haven't dealt with. And this goes clear across the board for anybody at any level, uh, personally or professional. We, we all have our stuff, we're all human, we can't escape that. So that's my typical client, but they have to recognize it to even know there's a need for me. So there's people that I engage that have, they're clueless about themselves. And when you hold a mirror up to them and they're seeing it for the first time, they may be so uh, you know, eyeball deep in their traditions or their habits that showing them that reflection, it's like, that's not me. And they'll ignore everything you say and move on. So that type of person is very difficult to help unless you're willing to commit that amount of time. And that was my problem in the beginning. I was willing to commit an excessive amount of time to attempt to help people who had no will whatsoever or no desire to be helped. But my typical client now is that person that has an inkling of a will. There's a, there's a, there's a, a I say a pinhole of hope or light that comes through the darkness and they're willing to try to spread that hole open to reach out for assistance. That's my, my typical client. And again, it's gone from uh, the lowest levels. You know what? And forgive me. I don't mean, even mean to say lowest levels. That is not my language coming out of me. But this people has been uh, homeless, ex-cons, troubled youth, all the way to C-level executives, entrepreneurs, you know, uh, founders, CEOs. You know, th those are my typical clients. Okay. Okay. That's good. What's been the most valuable lesson you have learned during this whole process? I would say to do a lot of self checks. It's, it's, you know, the whole point of entrepreneurship is not all about investing in the business, it's about investing in yourself. And a lot of people chase money or they chase the labels or they chase the business that they think is socially acceptable, the most prominent, uh, or that's gonna bring them fame and fortune. And I know, I know miserable millionaires for anybody that has that type of mindset. I, I know miserable people that to you, you think they're at the apex of success and they're freaking miserable. And that's because they didn't invest time in themselves. So that, that's the most valuable lesson that I learned is to sit my behind down and that same mirror I talked about holding up to somebody else is putting it in front of me in, in a room full of mirrors. So there's no way to turn where I won't see my reflection and have to deal with me and to figure out what 
things in my life aren't really beneficial to me. That's number one. And then to, to own the reason why those things are a part of my life to date. You know, after all the history that we have, or I'll speak for me specifically, all the traumas, all the bad stuff I've been through, why in the world would I put myself back into position to deal with things that aren't of benefit, that aren't going to help me grow far beyond my past? So that's the most valuable thing, man, is, is you know, some people have a problem with the, the PD market, personal development market. Some people have a problem with all these motivators and inspires out there. And I understand why. I understand why. Because some of them are snake oil salesmen, but it's still a template from one place and put it in another and say it's theirs, whatever the case. And some of these people are uh, very prominent figures in the industry. So I get it. At the same time, there is a, a place for personal development. There's a place for these motivators. They're there for a reason. And most of it is about you personally. It's about me personally. It's about tapping into yourself, figuring out those things in your life that are of little to no benefit so that you can empower yourself to growth. That's what it's all about. But people are too often, uh, again, shiny object syndrome, and it happens with people too. We're too often invested in somebody else's character and what they're doing to make ourselves feel better. And it's the same as, as, I'm sorry, it's the, it's the same as when people turn to drugs or food or alcohol, whatever it is, the same thing happens day to day, even on Instagram. If you're looking at somebody's photos and staring at their life or you're looking for likes or comments, you're looking for that high and it only lasts for the moment and you keep chasing it, you know, and there's scientific data that backs it up. I won't dive off too far into there. But again, that's why that most valuable moment of self-checking and self-empowerment and building up my own valuable, I mean, excuse me, my own value is the most important lesson I've had throughout my entire life. What would you do different? I would have started this process forever ago. Um, and I, and I, I, say, I say that very loosely because I'm not accounting for my youth. I'm not accounting for those years where there were authority figures in our, in our lives that are supposed to be the influencers and the ones that care enough about us to, to mold us to be in a position to where we're self-checking. Well, most of those people grew up not self-checking too, so can't put that expectation on them. Mm -hmm. But I would have started this probably in my teen years. Um, and and that, that may imply that there's some regret or stuff, and there's not, because I wouldn't be where I am today had I not gone through that. As cliche as that sounds, it is an absolute truth. That's a huge what if to say I, I would have changed the past. I really would not have. But if some parallel universe time traveling incident could happen and I could test the scenario matrix style and just see how the program works, then I would implement it a little earlier just to see how my life would pan out. You know, as long as it doesn't take away my children and those, other, you know, other people in my life that I severely care for, then maybe I would change it. But um, yeah, I, I, I would start the, the self-checks earlier. That, and that way, too, it's not just for me. It's also I've impacted other people negatively. And that bothers me to this day. And I don't hold myself accountable to the man I was, whether it be in relationships, whether it be professionally whether it be people that I didn't know I was impacting, either way it goes, I know I've impacted people's lives negatively. Had I dealt with myself first, that's not any energy that I want to put out. And it's, 
highly unlikely that I would have put it out. And not that I'm a people pleaser and trying to please the world, but I want to be very careful of the people I impact regardless. I hear what you're saying. I'm thinking it's a bit of a catch-22 because we all have a story to tell in life. We've all, we, they, everybody you meet has at least three stories in them. And, but I believe those stories shape who we are today. So it's like my investment in Kenya, uh, I, I could have moved there many years ago, but then I wouldn't have been the same person. And all my build-up from the military to the commercial construction to dealing with, at a very young age, grown men who are like twice my age and having to persuade them to do things that they know they should do, but that they don't want to listen to a young guy um, <laughs> who's just straight out of uni. Those are all skills that I that contributed to my business. So I, I, I yeah, it's just something... I thought I'd share because I believe even I, it's a bit of a trick question mm-hmm. <laughs> because your trials and tribulations make you who you are and to cut those out then you're more of a blank slate in that um, yeah, situation. That's why I introduced the, 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 the fictional sci-fi part of time travel and all that other stuff <laughs> really I, under, I understand all that molded me to who I am today and I, I wouldn't change any experience I wouldn't what was the biggest trial you had in in your whole business the big trial tribulation was there a point that you just thought ah, maybe I'd just catch this all and go back to my nine to <laughs> and I probably so said it just like that. <laughs> oh yeah, man. Now, now the thought of going back to the nine to five happens intermittently throughout the entrepreneurial journey. You know, unless you come out the gate super successful, uh, at any point if you start to starve, you start to think, "Man, it sure looks nice and cushiony over there. <laughs> I could relax in that safe zone and get me some benefits and a steady check." Um, but no, I, honestly, man, the toughest part has always been that moment where I realized I had to give up control. And that's when I realized how insane I actually was. And what I mean by that is, so my last business, and it, and it still exists, it's just kind of slightly dormant, if there's a such thing as slightly dormant, which was a consulting business. And uh Basically, we go out there. It was it was business to business consulting. We did a lot with startups. We were hunting uh, capital for some of these guys, or if they had um, any holes in their teams, any slots that needed to be filled. You know, we we were bro- doing a, a limited amount of brokering to help these people build their businesses, and it was mainly startups. Uh, the 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 biggest disappointments came from doing all this hustling, putting all the pieces together, getting all in place. And the final piece that needs to be added comes from the person that runs the business that we're supporting and they dropped the ball. That's been the biggest one. And, and, you know, in our hunt to pull in, you know, sometimes these, these very busy, but fully capable of changing your life, you know, people, 
and getting them to the table after our hard work, just beating down their door and opening our chest up and showing them our heart and they would trust us. And when I say us, I brought in a partner um, after I started consulting, I brought in a partner who's actually about 20 years my elder, okay? So on paper, people would think you're doing the right things, man. You got somebody older than you that could possibly mentor you, all this stuff. But we were both involved in the same insanity in that, is in that we kept doing the same thing over and over for different entities. But because the entities were different, we thought we were different. And no, we were doing the same thing. We were getting the job done. And brother, when I tell you we move expeditiously, we were moving, if somebody had a problem today and we could resolve it in five minutes, then we resolved it in five minutes. It wasn't this huge checklist or, you know, we didn't have to do this whole dance and we don't do what, um, <laughs> I'll make some people mad, what the, what the uh, uh, construction workers are doing on the interstate and the highways here and stretch out the time so they can get more money. No, we wanted our credit to be, we can get things done fast. and you know, perhaps we're, we were anomalies in our space, but that was our thing. But we actually moved too fast for people because they thought the other side. People are actually trained traditionally to think you should take more time. If you move fast, it throws people off. Like, they're really not prepared. And I'm, I'm generalizing, but through my experiences, I, and I don't care how professional they are, how great they are, how seasoned they are, Man, you can move too fast for people, getting them what they need. It's, it's incredible. And so I give you my, my, my last experience that the catalyst that brought me into a space where I can meet you. The last thing that happened to me, and I won't go too deep in the story, is that we had several projects we were working with, and there were, there were four we were working with uh, predominantly, and, and three of them or two of them were startups uh, with these life-changing technologies. I'm talking water remediation and uh, um, something to do with liquid natural gas, producing it through a small, I mean, just really cool stuff, brilliant people behind it. And then um, I had a gentleman who had this uh, uh, coding company, which isn't which isn't as innovative, but it's it's a very familiar space to people and the market itself could almost be monopolized and nobody's really looking at the coding industry. I'm not going to dig too deep. I just said it, didn't I? And on top of that, we brought in um, a young lady who uh, has ownership of a, a NASCAR team. And the only reason I'm, I'm respectfully not saying her name right now is because she has not given me permission to do so. Um, and we've lost contact here recently. But anyway, each one of them had an issue. They're, they're so innovative with the exception of the coding company. They're so innovative. They're so new. They're so different, including the young lady that owns the NASCAR team. They're so different to the, the, to the culture of their space that there came a point where they're having trouble raising capital because people just wanted to see certain, thing, certain things that didn't necessarily want to be the first, even though some of these companies were valued at uh, 10 million or more. Okay, this is their professional valuation, 10 million or more. So I start looking one day, Simon, and I get tired of bringing all these people to the table and seeing the ball drop, seeing deals fall through. And I say, you know what? I'm going to do something without getting permission from them. I'm going to do what I call this cross collateralized project, and that I'm going to take the value of each company 
I'm going to put it on one piece of paper. I'm going to cluster how they relate. And then I'm going to present this to a banker, to a loan officer, to a, a, a VP of a wealth management solutions company. I'm going to present it and see if they think it has legs in, in raising capital. If I put all these companies together, do you think I can get the money? Long story shorter, I got the verification from three different professional sources, major sources, that it should work. I got it to the table. I got the permission. I got the money. Okay. I had interest. And the valuations were multiplied. And I'm not going to go into the numbers. When I brought it to the table and I finally got everybody together, everybody was so shocked that I was able to put this thing together. Everybody was so shocked that they all said, yes, we'll do it. And most of these people had no clue about the other person, had never met, had never held a conversation, had never exchanged uh, anything, okay? This is how great this opportunity was. We had one stipulation to meet to get this to close, one, and we couldn't meet it. The deadline came, the deadline went, and I realized um, you know, where my extreme ownership comes in is I should have went ahead and did the entire deal up until the signature, which could have been illegal at some point. <laughs> so um, just, just having to, again, turn the reins over to someone else to take control, that, that almost broke my back, man, because I was like, here we are this close again. Would you, would you say that's also about sales, though? Because you you were you were very entrepreneurial up until and you've done very well you put everything together you've looked outside the box you, you know you, you over overcome that that circumstances but at the last point to get them to sign off or that stipulation is you know it's convincing correct me if I'm wrong it's convincing those those people or that individual that just trust trust yourself if not me on, on that would you say that um would be at a downfall of yourself no no every everybody like literally there was 100 percent yeses clear across the board the the, the stipulation that i haven't mentioned would ha which had to do with wrapping some money in escrow that was the part that wasn't taken care of and that has to do with people taking certain action, okay? So there was a yes clear across the board, but- uh, I'm with you. Yeah, mm. yeah. Yeah, so, and that's something that you couldn't have took care of yourself. No. No, oh, it had no. to be there. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I can see why the frustrations kick in. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Mm. I, I love people, man. <laughs> I love people. And I think that's the only thing that keeps me sane is I always look at the human behind these processes and I always look at the why, mm -hmm. you know, I always try to understand other people's perspective. I don't, I don't demonize anybody. I don't have any enemies. I don't hold grudges. You know, it's just another stepping stone. It's what got me here in front of you today, man. It, it was that thing that said, mm -hmm. okay, Jamar, you have to invest more in yourself. You just once again, invested all this time and energy and other people's projects. And I know that's your business, but it's still not you. You're the business. Build a business off of you. And mm. here I am. Mm. Yeah, I understand that. Uh, uh, 
for myself personally, what I realized when I was living in Africa and I had my own business is that it wasn't a case of earning the maximum amount of money. It was more of a case of living the best lifestyle. Mm. So when the business was good, I would wake up, um, go to the gym, or jog to the gym, ha- do some training, have a shower, just check in with the, the manager um, at the gym, um, because obviously it was my gym, and answer any emails, do any paperwork, see anybody I need to see. And by 2 p.m., I was on the beach, snorkeling. When the business was bad, was uh, like stress and issue or just circumstances, curveballs were hitting me. You could be at the gym until close, and it, the gym shut at ten at night and opened five in the morning. And mm-hmm. then, so so what I what I came to realize is about living a comfortable lifestyle, but you don't have to be. It's not about the money. It's just about being comfortable in having your own time that you can see your loved ones, your friends, your children, and things like that. And that's where you truly get peace of mind um, and things like that. Mm. Is there a specific age group um, or circumstances you would recommend anybody for becoming an entrepreneur and an investor in themselves? No, honestly not. I mean, my um, you mentioned it earlier, my, my new Power 40 podcast, uh, I mean, you know, my target market I put out there is that 40 year old and and up person but based on the the redundancy of their lives and things like that but i i mean really and and based on today's uh entrepreneurial atmosphere i'll say of of young entrepreneurs i'm watching teenagers come out and bust it out the gate man um you know these multi-millionaire kids who have just taken their passion to another level because they have all the information in their hand and they're wise enough to say, if I have all the information here, I should utilize it versus, oh, there's a lot of information here. Let me see how much more I can learn, how much more I can look at. These kids are just coming out the gate and blazing, man. So seeing that now, and then also on the the complete other side of the scale are the, the older people you know, people like to give the example of, of Colonel Sanders for, for Kentucky Fried Chicken and, and other people mm. that waited till their 60s to, to start their entrepreneurial journey. And, you know, if you're there, why not? You know, the people that say I'm too old, that drives me nuts, man. I'm like, you're still breathing, you're still alive, you still have aspirations and dreams, and it still aches when you think about them. Why in the world would you uh, stiff arm yourself by saying, I'm too old? Who trained you to say that? And, you know, that was, that was some things that I would hear from people that I considered mentors when it came to pulling the trigger for certain things, man. So I would, I would, there is no age that I would uh, recommend for entrepreneurship. I said, if you know you're built for it, go for it. Mm-hmm. What are your future plans for you as an individual and a corporation? 
You know, I'm I'm really looking to to one. I I I pause the the consulting for a moment to put more focus on myself to have these selfish moments so I can have selfless moments later. And starting with this podcast, you know, injected myself into this this I call it a business incubator, and that's what it is. And this is just a piece of a, a conglomeration, you know, based on some of the the people within the community I've met, including yourself, Simon. Like there's something that can be built here. But for, for me as a a business, Jamar Stokely, the business, not only do I want this podcast that I'm starting to to reach heights that I right now can't even project, because I, I do expect it to do very well. I also want to be in a space where I can go back out to speak to a lot of these people, whether it be at the nonprofits or in corporations or be one-on-one. Life coaching is, it's it's so watered down anymore, but I'll still use it just because I can't think of a better term at the moment. But I expect to be, uh, I, I am one of the best. And that was not something I would have said even four months ago before I started this, this incubation process. I, I am one of the best. And I, I'll even tell people, I was, I'm going to do a, a solo podcast soon. But I tell people, I'm better than most of your gurus. And the, and the reason being is, when you get at a certain level, you get detached from the streets, as we say. You're, your ear's not necessarily to the ground. You're too far away. You're that 2,000 miles ahead of people. And so you only deal with people that are within a certain mile radius of you. Right now, I'm kind of in that median. I've been able to deal with the streets, and I've been able to deal with these high-level execs. And I say, right now, I am better. I am better than a lot of the gurus out there, and it's because I care so much. That's an asset. You can't pay, you can't pay for somebody to care this much. And I was afraid to say that before. I knew, I knew it to be true, but I was afraid to say it because of the other influences that, that are out there, because of the, the typical perceptions of somebody that would come out and say something like that. Oh, you're cocky, you're conceited, you're, you know. And I got to the point where well, that's not my problem. But if you say that to me and we can start a dialogue, you'll feel what I mean. Now you can be resistant to that later. That's called stubbornness and perhaps insanity. And I'm okay with that. But there's an opportunity for us both to grow if we can start a dialogue. So I want to put that on the proverbial steroids. That is the business. It is going out here and, you know, talking to the ex-cons again. And I have a cousin, Chris Daggs, I'm shouting him out, who spent 12 years fed time because he was a high school dropout that was very good at selling drugs and he, he climbed the, the food chain. 12 years fed time, came out, has not looked back at a prison, has not looked back at drugs, has not sold a doggone drug has a family, a house, a career, adopted children. And that's the type of light I want to shine on what's possible. Uh, yeah, it's good. And, and that goes for everybody. I can go to a, a C-level exec, a CEO. I don't care, even if it is one of the gurus. There's always something that you're not doing that you could do better. And I guarantee you, you don't know that you can do better because you haven't spent that time with yourself. And sometimes it takes a little guidance to get there. I don't, and I don't care who you are. That'll always be the case for me too. That's why mm-hmm. we should always be seeking a mentor, always be seeking somebody else to give us a proper opinion that actually cares. And that's my gift, man. I, I, I freaking care. 
I care a lot and I'm very passionate about people. So that, that'd be me in, in the corporate world. Do you feel what you do can be done in Africa? 100%. And that's a goal. Thanks to you. Thanks to you. And I sincerely appreciate you putting this podcast out, you, you putting the idea out in the atmosphere. It just struck at the right time. And in our communications prior to now, it was just the proper influence. And that is a goal. First of all, I just want to get there and see where we all came from. Uh, and I just want to have some of the experiences you did. You know, I, I just want to, to see the motherland the home mm. of man, you know, mm. okay. and see how it translates from there. Something else might evolve for me just from having that experience. The whole business might shift, but whatever it is, I want to go back there and create the same business and help people the same way. Uh -huh. Okay, that's good. Mindset. How would you say your mindset has changed from where you were to where you are now. I know you've brisked over these areas, but is there something specific that you said, my mindset on that is just totally flipped, just turned on its head? Yeah, one of the, the major things that I carried with me throughout my life, and I, I didn't realize what a disdain for money I had. I really didn't like money. Um, I have crazy, right? Especially here in the good old US of A. Um, but that, that is part of why I didn't like money. And some of the examples I had attached to money were just bad. Even people that had a lot, they were hurting a lot. People that had a lot, they didn't care a lot. You know, everything attached to money. And, you know, from my past, from my, from my youth and that trauma that came with that, somebody very close to me that that had money was not a nice person. They were a mean person. And so, you know, that flavored money for me. And as I, I grew, you know, even until a few years back, getting into the spaces where I'm talking to these, these business people and stuff like that, eye to eye, you know, in the back of my mind, I was still, I don't like money, man. I hear you talking money and that turns off and I will make it personal again. Let me get you off that money. Let me get you back to what I love, which is people. Are you a person, ain't you? Why are we talking about dollars? You know, which is that poverty mentality I talked about before. But now, now, and this is, when I say recent, this is in the past couple of years, understanding money's value, money's place, it is absolutely a tool. It is a measuring stick. It does grant access to certain things. It does allow you to have these very selfless moments that I so passionately desired to have. It is a necessity to have money, to utilize money in a, in a proper way uh, when you're somebody like me. So that completely turned from, from what it was. And, I, and now it's gone from, you know, and I had some good jobs, man, where the checks were rolling, I wouldn't even check them. I check the bank account, make sure they cleared. Okay, that, that's how much of a disdain for money I had. Long as it's there, I knew it was enough to take care of bills. And if I wanted to take a vacation, whatever, cool. If there was a discrepancy, I let the company find out and notify me. I wasn't checking. That's how bad it was. And now I go to, oh, I'm looking for all the dollars and cents. 
And if, mm. if I can get all the money, I'll get all the money. Cause guess what? Then I can do everything I want to do. Mm-hmm. Okay. I understand you've got children and you've been married. So how did you convince your wife that your idea of being an entrepreneur is a great idea? It didn't happen because so I'm, I'm a two-time divorcee. And those were the moments where I was struggling with if I should be an entrepreneur or not. And those were the moments where I, I had not honed my skill in holding a mirror up to myself and doing these self-checks. So I'm battling with myself. I don't like myself very much because I'm having all these wars. What do you think is going to happen to you, wifey? You know, and I, I told somebody recently, I said, as passionate as I was and am about helping other people, if you are a wife, I had that old school perception that two should be one. Now, I shouldn't say old school, it's present day two. It should be ongoing. But when you're married, two should become one, right? So if we're one and I'm not taking care of myself, what makes you think I'm going to take care of you? You know, and that's a very harsh way to put it, but that was the reality. No matter the blissful moments, no matter if I paid bills or whatever, really, if I'm not taking care of all the needs of Jamar and I haven't figured me out, I haven't figured all my pains out, I haven't peeled back some of the onion layers of trauma to get down to the root of what's making me an a-hole, what makes you think I'm going to help you? You know, and that, of course that wasn't their perception either. So while I'm wrestling with whether I should continue being a nine to five or being an entrepreneur, they didn't even get this speech. You know, entrepreneurship wasn't on the table with the first wife. She knew at that time, I was really into music. She knew I wanted to do that, but that scared the crap out of her. So I dug into a nine to five and then I lost nine to fives. Now I dig into another nine to five and you always lose them because that's not where you want to be. And I'm so passion driven. If I don't want to be there, I'll find a way out consciously or subconsciously. And then the second one, same thing. I wrestled with entrepreneurship and I wanted her partnership in it because again, two should become one. And now since I'm this time I'm a little bit more willing to take the leap, do all the, the investigation and researching. Hey, what do you think? What do you get? I'm checking off, checking off, checking off. And at first she was given a tacit approval. She was just a bobblehead. Sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But when it came down to it, she didn't want to do it. And that was a huge turnoff for me. You know, I was staying up working, you know, 10, 12 hour nights and then coming home and doing research and figuring out how we're going to build this business. I wanted to do a daycare because I love kids. And uh, I wanted my own children to be somewhere I could always monitor them. But uh, she didn't want to. That was a turnoff amongst other things that influenced our, our uh, split. So it wasn't until this third time, and she's not my wife, uh, she brought me my, my first son and my, my baby daughter, who is most definitely better be the last child I ever have. <laughs> children are great man. children are great yeah. they're freaking fantastic i just don't want any more coming out of me um but she is an anomaly she's uh been super supportive uh you know i also wanted her to be a partner i'm just huge on that man there's in in everything i'm like you can have access to everything. You should be a part of everything, but my bathroom time, my bathroom time is my bathroom time. But as far as especially business is concerned, this is going to impact your life too. So I want you to play some type of role. Just let me know where you want to fit in 
baby, I'll make the space, you know, and we're men. If we have the support of a woman, oh, we're supermen, mm. you know, and, and for any man that wants to deny that, man, cut it out. You know, women put the battery in our back, man. That's why we dress up and we, we clean up and we want to get the eight packs and stuff like that. It ain't just so we can stare at ourselves in the mirror. We're trying to impress. But anyway, I digress. Mm. Um, she's been super supportive, man. She's been awesome. I would never take anything away. What I want that I want her to be in closer relation to my entrepreneurial journey. Yes, but it didn't happen. And I have to respect that because this is a very special mindset. Um, but it didn't take much convincing because some women will see a man and see his potential. And if he isn't acting towards that potential, they have a problem. A woman that sees your potential, that recognizes it and recognizes your dreams, you stated, and you don't go after it. Oh, that type of woman has a problem. Like, wait a minute. You, you're cool with being average. You're cool with being less than, and you want to be with me. Now nah, I don't know about that. So. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. Yeah, that, that's kind of the mentality. She doesn't have that exact. No, I know. I've run into those women as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I and I I, res, I respect that so much, man. It doesn't matter what happens um, to me and her. We decided not to walk that out. That's fine. But I told her, just because of that type of support, and I respect it so much, you will be taken care of for life. Don't worry about stuff. Mm. Would you encourage other people to go down the route that you have? No, not at all. I uh, I compare it to um, remember when there was this big craze with the workouts. There was all these extreme working workouts coming out. It was, you know, the, the all the beach P9, body stuff. P ninety X. Yes, yeah, insanity. Insanity. You know, yeah. just the extreme workouts. So I'm that type of guy. I would, I would try it out. If it looks super hard, if it looks like the majority can't do it, I want to try it. And that's just my, my mentality. But I would not recommend everybody to get healthy that way. Some people need to walk. Some people need to jog. Some people need to lift five-pound weights before they get 10-pound. And, you know, don't just jump out there and go crazy. If you know you're built for it, sure. And by being built for it, that means you're going to lose sleep. You're going to not make money over time. You're going to miss your family. There's a lot of things you sacrifice to be an entrepreneur. And there's too many people that don't investigate. And I was one of them at first. It's just fortunately my DNA and my, my mental structure is slightly different than most. There's too many people that go out there without researching what it takes to start a business, to run a business, what the lifestyle is going to be like, you know, they just see entrepreneur and, oh, I want to be independent too. I want to be free too. And, and some of these people work better with the guidance of a system of a business with certain policies and procedures set out in front of them already. Some people, everybody can't run a business and nor should everybody try. Just you have to know your strengths. And that's part of, again, when we talk about personal development, I'm not just going here because it's my market, but it's real. If you don't deal with yourself and figure out your own strengths and you probably have a whole other podcast on why it's so difficult for people to figure out their strengths. Um, if you don't figure yourself out and figure out your strengths to create a business off of, 
Don't start. Don't use the business to try to figure yourself out. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. Can you be successful doing that? Sure. Would I recommend that? No. And I don't even think the people that did it that way would recommend it. That's bananas. Do not start a business to try to figure yourself out. Or if you're having some type of mental crisis and there's so many things you aspire to be and you want to be free, don't think entrepreneurship is the way out immediately. Really, really dig into yourself, figure yourself out before you take that first step. When you say that, I I think of some of the big entrepreneurs, the Elon Musk, the Steve Jobs, the Bill Gates, and they have, from what I know of them, they have been dedicated from a very young age and everything else in their life has been secondary, thus they've become multi-billionaires. So I understand what you're saying. At the same time, looking at them, I think, if you really love something and you're you're willing to give it everything and you and keep it in mind they didn't have responsibilities when they started the, uh, i think what um bill gates was 13 when he started his microsoft he had his mentor um he was much older than him yeah so yeah mm. that's yeah, interesting but we're saying the same thing because yeah. it's a it's a matter of Again, if you're, if you're built that way from one, if you're wired that way, you'll know it. Like it's undeniable. Mm. If, if there's a wrestling, still, if there's a wrestling, then you kind of know, okay, I can go that direction or I can go this way. Which one are you more passionate about? Which one are you actually going to do? That's the key. Which one do you have a definitive answer for? Because sometimes you get the yes immediately but because of our influences or how we've been brought up or whatever, we'll deny that. Yes. We'll kind of. Oh, yeah. I see what you mean. It's Elon Musk said he had a girlfriend once, but she had to learn to sleep on the sofa alongside him because he wasn't, uh, it, it, which the sofa was in the office because him and his brother decided they weren't going to rent an apartment. They're just going to live in the office and work from there. So they only needed one room. And she did that for, two years and I think I think he ended up being with her eventually I think it's a what mother's kids or something but yeah that's that real hardcore dedicated mindset if you want to be with me get on the sofa yeah <laughs> get on the sofa because I'm studying <laughs> don't disturb my brother either yeah <laughs> that's a real dedication yeah Yeah. it's different man it's different some people can commit to eight hours a day Mm. they can commit eight hours a day and weekends off and they're absolutely wonderful at it Mm. hey keep on going don't listen to me don't look at me don't look at elon musk don't look at bill Gates. don't look at them and say i must be missing something man if you are good at it and you feel good don't start reaching for stuff you don't know anything about because that's when unhappiness sets in man that's that's when you you know you lose contentment and you start your suffering. Don't start reaching beyond, because you said it earlier, you said people want to be comfortable. You know, they want to live that lifestyle of comfort and feel good. And some people feel that way already till they start looking over the fence, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, if you had to do it all again, would you? Yeah, <laughs> at this point, I'd, 
you know, no, another trick question. But at this at this point, it's like I don't I don't see it happening either way. I don't see because gratitude is the is the main thing I express in the morning when I get up. I'm thankful. I'm thankful for everything around me. I'm thankful for my home. I'm thankful for the freaking grass and the trees outside, even though they they don't have any leaves on them right now and it's cold. And I'm thankful for it. You know, mm. you know, for me, it's 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 a blessing. Whatever your your foundational beliefs are from the universe to God, whatever, be thankful for what's around you, mm. you know? And so for that reason, if I were to think that I would change anything in my past, that gratitude is null and void. Mm. I just ruined it, you know? Mm -hmm. So I'm happy with the present. I'm good. Do I want to get better? Yes. I, I always want to be better the next day. I'm grateful for where I am right now. Tomorrow, I want to be better. Every single day, I want to be better. And it's not about going, well, yesterday I sucked. Well, I shouldn't have done that. No, man, everything's a lesson. Everything's a stepping stone in the right direction. And it's about perceiving it that way, man. I'm not about regretting and, oh, mm -hmm. I wish I would have done that different in my past. No, let's move forward. Let's go. Let's just be better. Mm -hmm. Well. Thanks for your time. I'm sure our listeners have learnt a lot from your experiences. Um, should anybody want to find you, what social media platforms are you on? And what's your name? The main ones I use are Instagram and Facebook. My <laughs> podcast Instagram is at New Power 40. That's, and that's for the New Power 40 podcast. You can also Find the podcast on all your major audible platforms, including Google Podcasts and Spotify, so forth and so on. Um, the name is Jamar Stokely. I can be found on Facebook. I don't have any uh, intentions of going private and cutting the world off. Could happen. But um, also New Power 40 on Facebook. And it's Royal underscore Stokely on Instagram if you want to see my personal account, which I also share the podcast on there now. Okay, that's good. Just to remind you listeners, I know Jamal has not invested um, in Africa yet, I stress yet, but we are here, we had him on the show just to hear his experience of getting your mindset right and that transition from the nine to five to be an entrepreneur. You heard he dealt with uh, some very um, wide variety of clients from homeless people all the way up to CEOs and the founders of companies. So those are experiences that once, you know, people have gained, he has gained and he has been able to look at that and say, yeah, I'm going to make a move. He's also a family man and he's in his thirties. So if he can do it and he's doing it fair enough in America, but with ambitions to do things in Africa, then it's the same skills that you can learn from him and um, manifest for when your time in Africa. Um, we look forward to having you. Um, sorry. We thank you for having you again, um, Jamal. And just to let you, you guys know out there, our, we'll be releasing a podcast uh, twice a week. Sometimes it'll be me on my own sharing experiences and other times we'll have a guest of um, the relevant nature. Anyway, thanks a lot, Jamal. 
and uh, we look forward to having you again. Yes, sir. Uh, so.